This is Lost in the Groove. And I'm Mike. I'm Dave. We hippies have come together to spark change. So together, we give you our society and culture podcast. So with that, let's get funky and let the intro music play, baby. All right. So this is the conversation that uh, <clears throat> we kind of have a different turn, and we are discussing we are discussing the notorious DMT. It you know it's it's one of those things that's it's one of those chemicals that are quite fascinating out there, and. The little we have terms of information is provided by much of the internet, including like studies and research. But we also have Mike, not the Mike that I have here, our host, a groovy, groovy little twister, uh, who has experienced it multiple times, who will also share his story, his groove, his funk, and of course... Is much. I don't know. I don't know if you want that funk, though. <laughs> I hear from my wife, it ain't that great. I tell her that's the smell of hard work. <laughs> Not that kind of funk, man. The <laughs> other know, type of funk. The other type of funk. I know. <laughs> I mean, and you know, obviously, many other stories. What was it? Um, uh, what? What episode are we on? I have no idea. Well. There you have it, folks. We have no idea, but the topic is DMT. The topic is DMT. I mean, we're just me dealing with moving, you dealing with your shit. I, I, it's all right. Yeah. I, you know, somehow knowing that you're moving, I yet still asked you what episode we're on when I could have just simply checked. That's the, the kind of dodo I am in, in this specific case right now. A this, is, high. This, is, this is the point of, of having a psychedelic uh, series of 10 episodes is where we have no fucking idea what is one and what is 10. <laughs> We're just going with it. So in short, what the fuck does DMT stand for? It has these cool little letters put together. Well, we are here to tell you folks, it stands for dimethyltryptamine. All right. I bet you $5. <laughs> you can't say that 10 times fast. It's the synthesized version uh, as opposed to the plant-based version, also called ayahuasca. So we're kind of on the reverse fields over here. You've done DMT and I've done ayahuasca, uh, right. which we're going to talk about in this session a little bit more. Uh, maybe get a little fun. Maybe get a little wild. Maybe pop the cherry just a little bit. And <laughs> <laughs> there, are, <laughs> there are also many other factors for why people seek out these experiences. Sometimes people are just bored-ass motherfuckers, or they're under a bridge and they have nothing else to do, or they're looking to bang a hooker one night and they decided, let, let me just do DMT while I'm at it. But for some, it's just, you know, for trauma. For others, it's deep desire for meaning, you know, like that Karen right next door, your neighbor that's like... <sighs> Oh my God, girl, like I need the deeper meaning of life. You have like no idea. Oh my God. So for you Karens out there, this would be definitely an experience that you would love. Um, and for others, it's an awakening. It's an opening. It's an experience. Or as Marvin Gaye would put it, sexual healing. But with DMT, like a little twist. <laughs> like no other. Like no other. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's the... Have we covered ayahuasca yet in this season? No. I see. So that's probably coming up soon. Ayahuasca, down the list. I have a feeling that when we talk about ayahuasca, it's going to be a very um, different conversation. Different is good. Yes. Like these cashews. Uh you're eating cashew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungry. The legumes are good, aren't they? I, you know, I've had a long fucking day. So some cashews and some soju. It's a nice combo. 
Good. Enjoy your saturated fats. <laughs> mm. Is that what they are? <laughs> I'm not one to talk. Um, <clears throat> so, Mike, <laughs> Mike, not this yes. Mike, this Mike over here. Let's get into the science. Let's get a little, you know, put our nerd glasses on. I'm already wearing my glasses, but let's, de- you know, dig in into the research. Yeah, I mean, it's, Ojo. yeah, it's, it's really, really, really fascinating just to, just to kind of see what we have learned over a course of decades and decades of uh, just study and, um, you know, experiencing it is one thing. And uh, if you're like me or like Dave, you, uh, you like experiencing it, but you might want to know a little bit more. So let's give you a little bit more in terms of this science because uh, science helps us better understand the the chemical makeup and the chemical reactions and and hopefully someday be able to uh, even understand how it's able to help people change their lives much like a lot of the a lot of the psychedelics that we've talked about uh, in the last like several weeks so the science of DMT including research and it begins like this, despite the, the, their presence in the human pharmacopoeia for millennia, we have yet to resolve the biochemical mechanisms by which uh, the hallucinogenics, or as you may know it, psychedelics, so dramatically alter perception and consciousness. And it is the only class of compounds that officially and specifically does so. So a brief history of DMT in terms of Western world. Uh, it was first synthesized by a Canadian chemist, uh, 1931. And, uh, but wait, wait, it wait, was... wait, 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 back, back the fuck up. You mean to tell me that the Canadians, they beat us. They that's... beat us. Damn. I mean, Fucking Canadians, you, you know, it would be, uh, it, it, it would really depend on your like point of view. Right. Um, in this time period, maybe the scientists were more so interested about things like this. But here in the States, what were our scientists mostly interested in? How, you know, figuring out how to develop a nuclear weapon. Right. 1931 up until, you know, 1939, we didn't start developing it, but it was the time period in which it led up to that. So the 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 complete difference of where interests or um I want to say uh, research dollars were going into. So the Canadians beat us, maybe because they had different goals in life. I just think just it's, the, I just think it's hilarious. They beat you know, us, like man. people giving shit to Canadians all the time, and I'm like, well, uh, they uh, this they were the ones that figured out the way to synthesize it first. <laughs> there you go. They also look like trash cans. I hear. Do they? No. Oh. <laughs> that's just right. what people say. No. It's, uh, it's, Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. it's trash cans. Yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> they do? <laughs> oh, man. 31, but uh, was at the time not assessed for human uh, pharmacological effects. In 46, the microbiologist Oswaldo discovered DMT's natural occurrence in plants. Um, that's incredible. So that was maybe ayahuasca or something of the sort. I wonder if he was in South America. Uh, DMT, DMT's hallucin- hallucinogenic properties were not discovered until 1956. Um, a Hungarian chemist and psychiatrist extracted DMT from the Mosa hostilis plant, administered the extract to himself, um, and uh, this sequence of events formed the link between modern science and the historical use of uh, many DMT con- containing plants as a cultural and religious ritual. And, um, you know, there's more to this story, obviously, especially like the cultural and religious ritual uh, aspects of it. This is where, like what you were saying, it's been around for 16,000 16, years. That's a long fucking time. So that would mean it is most likely uh, because of this religious ritual uh, from South America to God knows where else. I mean, we know that it's available in South America as a plant. The the, old, the oldest civilization that we know of 
that has used dimethyltryptamine? It's South America. That's the only one? Yeah, it's about 13,000 years. So, but what I'm curious about finding out is where else could we find it if we were actually looking for it? That's always the problem. When we die, our bodies release dimethyltryptamine when we die. I've heard that too in, the, in terms of the, the science, but I mean around the world. We're, we know that South America has had it, but if we were looking for it, could we potentially find something similar or the exact same thing? I mean, in- probably because, I mean, if it's a chemical that is released when a person dies, I mean, more than likely it must have formed where human beings first evolved from, which is Africa. So I'm assuming that it originally originated from Africa, but then the question is, is that how did it get to South America? So, I mean, one question you could tell yourself is when all the continents were one piece. So that means that this this chemical compound has been around for a few million years. And then that would make that would make sense. Yeah. I mean when the continent was one piece and then maybe there was, you know, yeah, have you heard of how like um certain plants can or let's say flowers when when there's very strong winds can uh, spread their pollen or something. And when it does land on soil or somewhere, it, can, it starts growing in places that it typically w- wasn't there. And it's because of the, yeah, because of the wind. Just wind. Just, just very heavy winds. That's and insane. So when- That's insane, man. I know nature, man. So could it be that is what happened, right? So one continent and then uh, some forms of it by way of nature found, you know, eventually spread its way around that giant piece of land mass. You know, although like it's lesser known than other psychedelics, such as like LSD and magic mushrooms or shrooms, you know, as people like to call them, TMD produces a brief but intense visual and auditory hallucinogenic experience. So kind of breaking this down a little bit, uh, speaking about this is that like DMT is kind of like a multi-package. It's not just one, you know, like one chemical compound breaking down in your body. It's multiple. It's visual, it's audio. Uh, the visual is probably the most prominent one. You know, like you were telling me uh, when you were texting me about it, like you've heard and what people have experienced. And we'll talk more about that towards the end. But it's a, it's a powerful experience. And what you had with ayahuasca is not like what I had. That's the main point you were making in the beginning of the podcast, that we have differing experiences and views and uh, most certainly has to do with uh, the way it was administered, right? I got synthesized, you got natural. Yours lasted 20 a day. Yeah, about 18 hours. Yeah. Uh, mine was gone in 15 minutes every single time. I've done it, it's been like 15, 20 minutes and it's gone. So, 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 uh, I mean, go on. Yeah, I mean, this is. This is an unfortunate reality, which we're going to be facing with psychedelics, is we have a stupid government full of morons and idiots that wear clown suits. And DMT is a scheduled one controlled substance in the United States. Why? Well, because these fucking morons have no idea what they're doing and they think something like this is dangerous. So it's immediately scheduled as an eight, you know, a, a substance one drug. So in short, this means that it's illegal to manufacture because of these fucking idiots to buy, to possess, or distribute the drug. The substance has a high potential for abuse, so no recognized medical use and a lack of accepted safety parameters for the use of the drug. So... I mean, I can I can say if we're talking about synthesized DMT, the high potential for abuse might be true. 
you see, this is a problem when the government puts things in Schedule One drugs. They don't put it in there based off of clinic of medical or clinical research or anything like that. It's just based on public opinion, and that's just been the way that it has been since the Schedule One and Substance Abuse Act has been developed since the early 19th century. It's based I mean, on it's based on opinions of the people, not actual research. I am, I find that hard to believe. It's maybe it has to be some research. Um, opiates. Uh, Think about opiates. They're one of the more, they're more lethal than any of these things we've been listing, including DMT. And it's been passed into law that it's one hundred percent legal to put into pharmaceuticals. And it was it was studied, but. Um, but not actually uncovered. This is a, a great uh, movie um, about it, actually, about the uh, the Sacklers and kind of how they were involved in this scheme, because that's what it is. It's a it's a, it is a painkiller. It'll work for that application, but high potential of abuse, high likelihood of addiction to it. Um, it's a real fucking problem. Has been for a long time, but. The reason why I say there's got to be some clinical trials where they determine uh, if something is or isn't um, either for medical use. I mean, for a long time, they said cannabis wasn't, but now it is. Uh, now it's ketamine. And, now, and, and so is MDMA and psilocybin. And a lot of things are changing because, uh, because it's be, uh, specifically science, not just people. A century ago, maybe, but nowadays they're uh, they're looking at it objectively, and um, obviously there's a business around it too. There's going to be companies that make a shit ton of money um, in this world of, uh, I want to say, uh, psychological healthcare. So, with no approved medical use currently in the states, uh, but can be used by researchers. So, under a Schedule One research registration. It uh, it requires approval from both the DEA and the FDA in order to get that registration passed. So uh, as of now, they are studying it and we'll see what they find. Despite its legal status, it is used in some religious ceremonies and various settings for an awakening or to obtain uh, deep spiritual insight, much like the experiences that you described, Dave, yeah, and uh, also with ayahuasca. And also very important note to many Americans that know this, if you are ever in uh, territories, any scheduled substance one drug is not apl- applicable to their territories. So, you know, if people are curious of like, oh my God, how do I get DMT? I, If you have the accents and you're able to get into one of these territories, if you know somebody, you can see if you can be a part of one of their ceremonies or any of this, and it's 100% legal you would not run into any kind of problems or anything like that so just throwing that out there if anyone lives near a territory and is curious they can't even uh authorities can't even gain access necessarily no, no. to that territory no um to to be able to conduct any type of kind of investigation or confiscation of anything it's uh like when you say territories i think of um let's say um native american yeah, land, right? Places like that is what you're what mm-hmm. you're talking about, or what you mean? Yeah, you you just have to. I mean, you have to be cautious because you're gonna walk in there and be like, "Hey, hey, natives, can I have <laughs> some DMT?" You I heard you got the good shit. Yeah, man. you got the good. Like, you don't do that. Like, they're people just like you. They have families. Be I'm respectful. looking for a spiritual awakening in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> and I heard you got this stuff. Oh my God. <laughs> Sounds like a great song from Justin Timberlake, 2001. <laughs> oh, good days. So <laughs> let's get it. Let's get into the nitty gritty. Let's get into the shit. Let's dig in there a little bit. What, what do we know about the basics of DMT? So more of the science, right? Like, what what do we know? Yeah. Uh, and from my own experience, I can say this. It's a white crystalline powder that is derived from certain plants found in Mexico, 
South America, parts of Asia. And uh, it's typically consumed in a few ways. The, the stuff that I've seen or dealt with numerous times definitely fits this description, a white crystalline powder. When I first saw it, I'm like, this looks like meth. I'm about to smoke meth, you know, but thank goodness it wasn't. <laughs> um, you can you can vaporize it, smoke it in a pipe, consume it orally and brews like ayahuasca, um, snort it or inject it on very rare occasions, which I don't know if I'd recommend. You may not come back from that one if you're going to inject it. Snorting it is an interesting one. Um, I smoked it multiple times. That was my method. Maybe, uh, maybe that's the reason why it's fast coming and fast going. Whereas you consumed it probably in a brew, right? The ayahuasca. Yeah. That's what you had. And so, but, but, but here's the interesting thing. And I don't know this term. So anybody that is native or knows this type of culture ritual, they actually have these long pipes. They, they smoke and they get these, I'll talk about this when we're doing the ayahuasca one, but in short, it's a mixture of brews and different types of smells and smokes from other different types of plants. Um, Oh, combo, huh? Yeah. Because you remember the whole point of it. See, this is the main difference between ayahuasca and DMT. Ayahuasca is controlling, so you can actually control someone's experience. Okay, I'll give you an example. Again, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more um, in the next episode, and I'll kind of explain this. Uh, but That's fascinating. I wonder how and or the, uh, the means of the control. But yeah, I'll wait. I can be patient until <laughs> the next episode. So, um, you know, kind of the chemical root structure of DMT is similar to like an anti-migraine drug, which is kind of interesting. Like I think pseudomidifrin is one of those. And it acts as a non-selective ag- agonist. I'm saying this right? Agno- ag- agonist. Agonist. Yeah. But um, at most or all of them are like a serotonin receptors, you know, like particularly at like a serotonin, a serotonin like uh, five, like what is it? Like, I don't know, like a 5-H22A receptor. Uh, but... In short, a serotonin is like a, a neurotransmitter that has a large effect the majority of your brain cells. So this is the thing about migraines is that when you're trying to calm down the migraines, you're going after the brain cells, basically the structure of your brain tissue itself. This is the thing with certain psychedelics like DMT and like ayahuasca. Ayahuasca affects your subconscious. DMT also affects your subconscious. Why? Because when you die, your subconscious, which is the, the back of your brain, it releases a dimethyltryptamine when you die. And that's where the chemical is released from your subconscious, that piece of your brain. That part is really, really fascinating. And I, I've read some of those studies and I don't know what to make of it. It has led me down the rabbit hole of thinking or exploring the possibility that most certainly there is something after death you know what would lead me to think that i mean i i can't say for certain but i think of it as like as a species we have this essence or this energy or spirit of sorts it's, I mean, think about what's powering this body. Does it, does in the laws of thermodynamics, does, you know, does heat go away? Does energy disappear ever? Um, no. So does, energy, um, energy cannot decompose the same way with carbon. Well, there you have it. That's kind so, of. That's kind of why. I, and so why release this chemical at the time of death? Like, what's the significance of it? Um, it's, it's quite beautiful. It's a mystery. It is, yeah. And, and it will be for a while. I mean, we have to learn more about brain, um, uh, like brain 
health, brain, you know, science, everything brain. Yeah, so, I, I think one of the coolest, um, you know, explorations in the medical world would be what's the purpose of a person dying? What's the purpose of death? I think that's a question a lot of people ask themselves is like, so we're just sacks of meat that stands tall for two, three generations and just drops dead. When I say generations, I'm talking about somebody that like has grandkids and then great grandkids. and then passes Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know about a sack of meat, but I mean, the same would be, uh, you would hear this saying a lot, like we just, what are we, you know, what is existence other than for eating and shitting and, and drinking and consuming and polluting? Oh, right? my favorites. So, <laughs> and we do all of those things very well. And there's like seven, I think about 7 billion of us now on this beautiful planet of ours. And uh, it's, it's accelerating. So you were you were, you know you brought up a good question like what's the purpose why is there death um, there could be a lot of meanings to that but if we th- if we like refer let's say to some part of the Bible and I'm sure you're somewhat familiar with it I'm not the I'm not the most uh, versed person in in religion but there there are things that hint that the body was never really supposed to die. So, but what what is causing uh, a human body to I think... die? It's the cells. The cells are not as strong, and they don't want to replicate the way they did when they were, um, let's say, just a kid. And you'll notice this now. You used to be able to heal a cut or a scrape very quickly when you are much younger and as you're older it's much it's taking much longer and sometimes even even longer than weeks or months that is the that is a cell issue it's very very fascinating too the science behind that i think also the answer to this question would be with dmt um i you know it's weird because i've never done dmt you've done dmt but from what I've heard, and according to you, some of that information is inaccurate, but um, a lot of it has to – okay, this is a great example. Um, near-death experiences, people that when they, they die and then they're revived, it's been proven that when they're going through that experience, dimethyltryptamine is released in their brain. So a lot of these people that have these enlightening – things where they see ring a tunnel of light and uh, they see a gate at, at the end of the corner and they see all of these images. It's because of that chemical being released when they have the near-death experience. So I guess the question I'm asking is, does DMT take you to another dimension? Is that even I, possible? I, you know, if it were possible, I don't know if I would have come back. This is what, like, this is why I commented when you had mentioned some of those stories. Um, a lot of them will probably be stories, uh, stretched truths. But is it? Is there a possibility that maybe I I can't completely discount it? My experience is unique. Can I say that someone else's would be exactly the same? What if it has to do with the uh, the way it was synthesized? So some chemists have ingredients that others may not. There's, I think, at least two or three forms. Let's uh, let's actually let's look it up. So this will be good for listeners to to understand as well. Um, how many forms, or how uh, how many chemical forms of DMT? Surprise! Google didn't already know what I'm looking for since we're talking about it. (laughs) Uh, It consists of, uh, okay, DMT consists of the tryptamine core structure. uh, DMT is formed by substituting two methyl CH3 groups for the two hydrogen atoms uh, on the terminal nitrogen of the ethylamine side chain of tryptamine. Uh, 
So for all us chemists that have no idea what's going on right now, please let us know below in the comments. Thank you. Very it, yeah. much appreciated. It, it will not only help us, but it'll help listeners and others checking it out too. Oh, of course. Uh, um, as you can see, right? So it has this core. And if you were to um, maybe remove one or two or three elements or add one or two or three elements, how much different would it be? And so that's, this is why I tell you, most of it are probably stories. Chances are, you know, there's going to be some in there that aren't just stories. And it's going to be tough to really determine who who is telling the absolute truth about their experience. I don't know. I mean, I heard this from Blair White. Um, Who's Blair White? She's a, <clears throat> I think it's Blair White. I uh, She's a transgender youtuber uh it's very uh how do i put this um very upfront very opinionated in a good way uh i was you know listening to joe rogan's podcast and he also said that he experienced the same thing that she was experiencing yeah but joe rogan probably has access to good drugs (laughs) premium drugs Top of the line, top shelf stuff. I, I don't, it's it, it, interesting, nonetheless, though. And um, even more interesting if we can substantiate that these things are possible. It might, uh, it, it might be a different chemical. They might think it's DMT, but it might be a difficult chemical compound. Like, you know, we're going to talk about this more. I'm sorry, I keep on teasing for ayahuasca. We're still going to be talking about DMT, but this is the point is ayahuasca, even though it is DMT, it's very, very different because ayahuasca, depending on, for example, ayahuasca, if you go to South America, most people will not experience what I experience. Many people that go to Manitoba or Canadian uh, reserves and they have the experience there, it's going to have an extremely different experience than I do. Each of these tribes use ayahuasca different ways. So as the 12, 13,000 years has gone on, they develop them differently. Native Americans primarily used ayahuasca to find your spirit. That's what they use ayahuasca for. It's all about finding your inner self and your spirit. South Americans always use it as a way of when people died or reconnecting with your loved ones. Uh, Tribes up in Canada, they use it as an experience to connect to the planet, connect with the, the world around them. So you could see with DMT itself in its root core where every single culture, every single type of being and cell and structure and compound has been used differently over time. So you might say to yourself, the same thing can be applied with any psychedelics. No two shrooms are the same. No two are the same. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And it also makes sense that you have all of these different tribes of varying cultures across the globe use it differently um uh, you know somewhat similar but different outcomes right different uh, different desires altogether so therefore maybe some of their ingredients are also different based on what they have available from canada to south america to mexico um it's uh, important to note that but I would say that nonetheless, it was a, an incredible experience every single time. And do you, do you want to elaborate a little bit on the experience you had kind of the, the, the visual, the auditory, because I mean, I've heard it from that side, but I haven't heard your perspective and your, uh, je ne sais quoi, your, um, <laughs> I don't. I don't speak French, man. It's not French. It's it's made up French that Americans like to use. Uh, there's no such thing as je ne sais quoi. Don't ever come up to a French person and say je ne sais quoi. They're gonna have no idea what you're saying. Or they're um, gonna say, or they're gonna slap me and be like, <laughs> je m'appelle, <laughs> you're je a m'appelle. fucking idiot. <laughs> well, I will definitely have. Uh, we'll definitely have a visual. Kind of um, reference for you. And uh, 
Are you doing a shared screen? No, not yet. Oh. oh. No, but I will. I, 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 we're getting there. Oh, yeah, so that way I can at least show you. It's uh but great experience, man. I would do it again and again and again every time. I'm I'm still trying to figure out how I'm gonna get I like I'm still trying to figure out my way of getting things down here. So I need uh, uh oh there's there's plenty of wheat down there, plenty of delta eight. There's no nah, man, I need I, I need I need the real shit. But uh, I am working on getting a medical car. That's that's the process that I'm working in with right now. But it's it's interesting because you know we we kind of live in this world where people are trying, not trying. They want they want answers, they want experiences, and these are things that give those people those experiences. But I think the negativity, and I remember we spoke with Eli about this, is that people have this idea of like well, it must be dangerous because it's a psychedelic. <laughs> Only dangerous if uh, you find something you don't like. Something, you hey. do, something that you discover about yourself that you realize for the first time, that's, that could be scary. But otherwise, that's, I think, the beauty of uh, psychedelics right now in this period of time, in this corner of the world. We, you know, we... We want answers. So for those seeking them, they'll dive down that rabbit hole. For those that want to stay in the simulation, they stay. Yeah. I mean, it's the simple question. Do you want the red pill or the blue pill? What are you going to choose? I don't know. If we're talking about the movie, man, it's, uh, I'd, I'd choose to stay in the simulation. Considering how fucked up things were in the real in the real existence, it's like, nah, man, just plug me in back. Remember, if you've ever watched the movies, you know, or I think it was in the first one. What did uh, what did that guy do? He's like, I'll give them up, but you got to plug me back in. All right, send me back, make me somebody influential. And I don't want to remember anything. Okay, <laughs> that's a, that's that's how bad it was, but. It's understandable. So, yeah, my my experience of DMT, yes, uh, the the first time, very powerful, very visual. Um, just the first hit knocked me back so hard; it was um, un unmanageable. Like the person who's hosting the experience, they're like, "Hey, take it, take the hit, hold in the hit." I took a hit. It, it was nothing in my body that would allow me to hold that in. I mean, it, as soon as it came in, it came back out and I just fell back hard, but that's, those are questions to be asked too. Could it be that if I held it in, would I have been blasted off to, you know, the other side of the universe? I've always wondered that too, but from, from the very get go, as soon as I exhaled it, um, the, a minute or two later, the visuals began uh, a sense of euphoria, probably because of the uh, the visuals themselves, just the visual stimuli. Um, and I'll show you. I'll show you so that you, so it's it's crazy because what you're ex what you were experiencing is the same thing that a person is experiencing when they die. Yeah. So it makes you wonder too, when you do the research, it makes you wonder like, was I not supposed to experience this yet? You know, um, is it, uh, is it that special? It says host is disabled sharing screen sharing. You want to enable it? That way I can show everybody what this thing looks like. In any case, while he's digging around for that, you're here okay. for the DMT. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the DMT right, experience, can, you, uh, you I can, can do it now? Yes, you can do it now. All um, right. Okay. Bam. I don't understand. You see that? Mm -hmm. You fucking see that? This is, this is what it was. Not, not, not like I want to say exactly. So I, could pay, I, I would, I, I what could I would pay, I could pay $60 for your experience. <laughs> Ooh, sure. 
<laughs> I can tell you right now that disregard the colors, focus on the geometry. That's what it was. That's, that's what the visuals created. And it didn't matter what I looked at. It didn't matter um, the, uh, that specific experience because every time I did about you know three, four times over the last five years, every single time the geometry was just so fucking beautiful. And there's like n- nothing I can, I can relate it to. At the same time, when I did this, it was, let me get the, uh, let me get the screen sharing off here. Give me a second. There we go. What I couldn't understand was how can a psychedelic create the same visuals every single time? So the first time I did it, I was blown away. I went back for more um, when I got the chance. And it was really the curiosity of, well, that's what it was like this time. What will it be like, you know, this, this next time I do it? And the same same exact visuals, um, and I said to myself, "Well, this is unusual, to say the least." Right? You've you've done LSD. No two trips are the same. Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, it and it could very well have to do with um, the chemical makeup of the the LSD. Well, you know how much th- you're taking. I think it has to do with because of. LSD affects a different part of your brain, the third eye. So your third eye is your creativity part of your brain. Now, the part of your brain that focuses on creativity, that changes all the time. So there's no way in hell that if you take something that if this is just throwing this out to people that are not following what we're saying, psychedelics attack, not attack, they attach and enhance certain parts of your brain. So DMT and ayahuasca, your subconscious. LSD, your third eye. Do you know what um, psilocybin actually uh, attaches onto? Tell me. Your left. Left brain. And why? Why is it the left brain? So um, I don't know too much about this, but from what I've been told was it affects the part of the brain that you use for basic use like for muscle uh, movement, uh, what allows you to see visual colors throughout your eyes and different stuff like that. Because psilocybin, its chemical compounds, focuses on your body itself. Fascinating. Because I, I, I haven't, we've talked about, I haven't really fully experienced psilocybin myself, but you could probably tell me this from your own experiences where, you feel the world and see the world very differently when you're off of it. Everything feels and touches differently. I I can for sure say that's true. Um, it gave me a greater appreciation for existence. The, the deeper meaning I was seeking, the, uh, the trauma I was dealing with, the, uh, the depression I was dealing with, um, it helped me overcome all of those things. It helped me begin to ask questions that I just never, it never occurred to me to ask. It, it may even sound crazy to the average person, right? Like if you went up to the average person who's never done psychedelics and you say, well, do you, do you really know who you are? And they're going to say, like, yeah. No, you don't. Fuck do, you know, what the fuck does that mean? Like, what are you talking about? Um, and so having to be able to do all of those things and then being able to overcome them and continuously going through the experiences. Cause I still take them today. Uh, and it's for different reasons. I'm now just, just more, uh, more understanding. It has given me a lot of tools that I can work with and uh, has equipped me for the rest of my life. Right. Because now that I've learned these things uh, you don't forget them and you try to practice them. Uh, in everyday life, but mo- mostly the way I 
came out of psilocybin and the way I view the world and my environment is so much more positive. Again, a greater appreciation. For, uh, but to hear that there's these different ways it's affecting the brain, like this is where the um, this is where it gets really interesting for me. I like the science. I like to I like to understand things. And uh, and, it, or, and it also gives people, you know, the question of like, what the hell do psychedelics do to you? And the same question we asked about cannabis, and then we learned what cannabis does to your body. And th- th- this is the whole learning curve is to realize that all it's doing is allowing you to see what your brain sees. If you really think about it, you don't, I don't know what the hell is going on in my brain right now. You don't know what's going on in your brain right now. But if there was a way of switching it around, that's what psychedelics are. You're moving your mind, you're basically moving yourself into your brain, and you're seeing what your brain sees on a day-to-day basis. So I feel that when people say, yeah, I know myself, that's a lie. There's no way that you can know yourself unless you've seen what your brain can see. You don't know what's going on in your subconscious right now. And, you know, you you were saying about the whole thing with seeing those shapes and geometry over and over again. Well, there's a simple answer to that. Your subconscious is very complex. And if you're able to tap into it and see into the subconscious, you become the subconscious. The same way where way that I experienced was is where nature was nature, but it was not real. It was my own ver- visual interpretation. I don't know how to explain this. It's kind of like the way I see a tree was the way I saw a tree. Well, that's, you know, that's a, an interesting way of putting it. With, with the experiences of DMT and the geometry, that was one of the things that I also spent a lot of time thinking about is um, the one aspect like that we discussed earlier, which was, uh, what was it? We were talking about... Um, uh, the essence of life and energy and the, at the time of death, having this chemical released in the brain, it's called the, uh, they call it the God molecule. They call it, uh, they call it uh, a, a couple of different things. I think it might actually but, be, it might actually be God because you remember in religion, uh, I remember this, like it was yesterday. I remember I was always taught this is that God is in you. What the fuck does that mean? And then when you think about it, well, that methyltryptamine. Uh, yeah, you can have, you can use that. That's God. Uh, I mean, if you, you know, want to call I, it that. That's that's. I think um, I think uh, all of these experiences have helped me connect better with um, understanding religion a little bit better. Not, I don't want to say modern religion or uh, historical religion, but more so my connection with uh with the creator and um the better place for it yeah the, the architect. architect yeah exactly and uh that's you know believe it or not um i i called one of my channels that for a, a period of time uh and the purpose was like after coming out of all these trips and realizing and learning so much um finally having the acceptance or the understanding that we ourselves are the architects of our lives create as you wish, you know? Um, And some people create positive things and some people continuously create negative things. And uh, it's whatever you make it, as they say, right. That saying goes. So the, that was the one aspect that I had spent time thinking about energy and the essence of life itself. The second thing was uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about after DMT was uh, the geometry itself and considering that maybe that was the other dimension in a sense that what we see in, in our, uh, in our field of vision that we have with our eyes is 
uh, is just the base level. If we get beyond it, right? Like, could it very well be that um, none of these things are real? Kind of as you put it, you know, a tree looks different to you than it might another person. The way ayahuasca affected your perception uh, before and after. I mean, I've spent years thinking about it. Like, is this table a table? How does my brain know that this is a table? This is a a lot of conditioning. But so this is this is an insane thing about science. If your hand was able to go the speed of light, my hand would be able to go through right right through this table. And the reason is that the atoms in the table right now that I, this piece of shit, Coleman outdoor table I'm dealing with at the moment (laughs) (laughs) it's molecules are going the speed of light and so you pass right through it you pass right through it Uh, yeah isn't that isn't it uh interesting that so what if what if uh what I saw in terms of the the geometry was again um another layer or a higher layer of uh visual um want to say visual access yeah i mean the uh the mandala is a very old very very old um type of drawing technique and the really interesting about thing about mandala the mandala is it's an orifices it's an explosion it means where the closer you you dealt basically the the closer you go into it, the larger it expands. So it's people always have this fear of like I'm afraid of falling down that that tunnel that's dark and I have no idea where the end is. Black hole. The black hole. And this is the thing that I've had conversations with atheists, which is there's nothing wrong with this, where they're like, well, when you die, it's just a black hole. But if you twist it a little bit and say, well, what's wrong with falling through a black hole? Maybe when you fall through the black hole, you fall into those shapes and geometry and those, a different dimension. It may not make sense to you now, but when you're there, it makes more sense because all you need is that one chemical to turn on the light. Which isn't, which you don't have access to all throughout your existence until the very, until until the the very very last breath. Yes. So that's a that's a fascinating uh kind of look at uh, look at the 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 idea of it to say that um that this is why it's led me to think about this too is since we know energy doesn't go away um it doesn't disappear i mean what do you think powers this body it's a form of energy you know electromagnetic energy is from the body that's what makes it possible for you to scroll on Instagram. I don't scroll on Instagram. Not you, but, <laughs> but maybe only you, the listener. Um, who's scrolling through Instagram. I, while listening to the Lost in the Groove episode. Yes, on your iPhone or MacBook or iMac. But, I mean, we're, we're, we're famous in Apple Podcasts, so I'm just, I'm just going to throw out Apple products. This is just... Thank you, Apple. Thank you, Apple. Um, (laughs) I I think it's it's so um, so intriguing. It's one of those things that you have to say to yourself for just one split second of we developed as creatures, as beings, based on the laws of physics on our planet. Now, imagine if you have a planet, a gaseous planet that has a surface that is habitable, but it's made out of different components and compounds. And let's just say that the beings on those planets form from gases. So you have well, they wouldn't. They wouldn't be. They, then they wouldn't be physical beings. Maybe no, no, no. They wouldn't be physical beings. But they would no. be these gaseous beings that have intelligence. So. Our way of how we view our planet might not be very similar to other planets. Life may have formed differently in other planets. But the question you have to ask yourself is, why did our planet form 
the way that we did. And I know a lot of people are going to give me a lot of hate for this, but I think one of the answers to that is, is through psychedelics. Because psychedelics allows you to see how the brain was developed, how over 4 billion years this planet existing, and how we went from just molecules to DNA and genetics and mutations and cells to a brain. Now, all creatures of this planet has brains. You have to ask yourself, how was the brain developed? I mean, over time, over like time. you say, over a long period of time. You know, um, Joe Rogan was uh, talking about this, but as, you know, as we know, the uh, human DNA is close to ape DNA. Uh, maybe not exactly the same, but it's close. Well, there's, you would say animals have brains too, but, you know, how intelligent? And if we go and look at most intelligent ones, um, apes, whales, seals. Um, dolphins. Do- yeah, dolphins. Um, yeah, so maybe not maybe not seals, but dolphins. Maybe that's what I was uh which is Thinking, insane but, because dolphins, unlike humans, they've learned to have ways of communicating without telecommunication. They use sonar. Yeah, it's fascinating. But I mean, that's that's the that's the mother of all invention is need. Because of need, things get things get done. So even in the ocean, with these animals that you would say are not intelligent, have created a means of communication that would suggest some, some level of uh, intelligence and a potential for further development, right? Where could that lead to? So they might've eaten a plant that had DMT. Actually, here's, you know, that's funny. You say that man, for all you listeners that don't know, it's, it's in fact true that dolphins do trip out. There's a very specific, um, I want to say jellyfish type of sea creature out there that they like to chew on. And when the jellyfish releases its poison, the dolphin trips out on it. They do this regularly. Oh, the dolphins like diganja, man. <laughs> yeah, the, the dolphins like getting high. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it, fascinating when I found out, I'm like, I can't believe this is, this is true. They are, it's interesting because we speak about apes, but dolphins are interesting because they're very highly advanced species of mammal. They're very advanced, way too advanced, um, according to science. I mean, they should have never evolved the way that they did. I mean, the, I mean, for Christ's sakes, this said is way too, way too advanced, according to science. Yes. What did you find out? So they actually time the amount of time that they need oxygen. They've actually done studies of this where dolphins, depending on the groups, they time the amount of time they need to go back up to the surface for oxygen and then come back down. Besides using sonar, they've also created groups that created their own languages, and then they pass those over to their children. That passes over to their children. Wow. there are groups of dolphins that cannot communicate with other dolphins because they don't speak the same tongue. Incredible. Could this have been because of the jellyfish and the tripping over a long period of time? So I brought up the reason I brought these animals up is just like you were saying, the, the development or the, um, the evolution of the human brain as we see it now and where we got to, um, let's look at apes. Joe Rogan was showing uh, a clip on his podcast some years ago. Some years ago, this is old, of um, of apes spearfishing. You would never, yeah, you would never think that that it could be possible, but somehow they learned. They may have seen it be done by a human, but what you know? What would that suggest to me? It would suggest to me that. Uh, there's some form of intelligence. And if you give them another million years, where can, where can those brains develop? I mean, to? think about this. They taught a gorilla sign language. That's true. Yeah. 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 That was, that's a famous one. It's well known around the world. And it was hilarious. Cause like he was talking, he's like, all I'm asking is for peace. And I was just like, 
this gorilla is telling human beings that he just wants peace for his tribe in wow. sign language. And this, this is another step. <clears throat> and, you know, going back to DMT and all of this, especially psychedelics, is where we need to wake up and realize that there's a lot more to learn. There's a lot more to experience. And we're not as smart as we think we are. And there's a lot more things that we need to accomplish and things that we need to work on in this incredible planet of ours. So let's stop killing it. Let's And let's, each other. And each other. Let's work on that first. And hopefully we can have a better tomorrow. So this has been DMT. This has been the God Molecule, the Dolphins. Dolphin, you know, our theory of dolphins <laughs> and <laughs> jellyfish. So, uh, <laughs> it's true, man. Go look it up when we're done with the show. <laughs> All right. See you guys next one. All right, guys. We have reached that time in our podcast. This has been great. It has been fun. And we got lost in the groove. So stay tuned. Every Tuesday, be sure to check out a new episode of Lost in the Groove. It premieres about 2 a.m. in the morning. And our other channels, Sham Bam with Mike and Dave, which is our Patreon podcast, and our extra special, The Shindig Variety Show, our YouTube podcast. Links will be down in the description box so you can vote for what topic we cover next season and what other kind of content or new ideas and stuff we have to offer thank you guys so much for watching catch you guys in the next one